Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka. Welcome to episode number 139 of ADHD for Smartass Women. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad that you're here. So I have a friend and her name is Mandy Zelenka, and she's one of the most brilliantly creative ADHD women I know. There's truly nothing this woman can't do. She's an amazing writer. She's unmatched when it comes to technology and everything related to running an online business. She's just so creative. I think in a former life, she owned what I believe was the largest salon in Portland, and she was voted best hairstylist in Portland, and she was the digital marketing manager for the global hair care company, Kevin Murphy. And I'm always asking Mandy for like online business kind of advice. And a couple of weeks ago, Mandy contacted me on Instagram and she sent me a link to an account that I didn't know. And she said, you need to get this woman on your podcast. She's on fire. Well, that woman is Jane Matthews, and I am delighted that she's here with us, joining us today. So Jane dropped out of high school at the age of 14, and she became a hairstylist. She opened her first hair salon at the age of 24. And when the pandemic started, Jane decided to teach people how to successfully cut their own hair. She now has an international roster of students, and her classes sell out within a week. She's been featured in the New York Times, New York Magazine, CNN, Days Beauty, the San Francisco Chronicle, and so on and so on. Jane runs two successful hair salons, an education business, an Instagram account with over 140,000 followers, and she's a single mom. Jane was recently diagnosed with ADHD and believes that you can carve out your own way in this world. You don't have to try to fit into a mold that doesn't work for you. You will be successful doing it your way. Hey, Jane, did I get all that right? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. So before we talk about the business stuff, can we talk about your ADHD diagnoses first? Sure. Yeah. So what were the circumstances around it? 
Well, I've always, you know, as many of us do, I've come to find out, I've always thought maybe I had a learning disability or there was something wrong with me. Why can't I do the simple tasks in life, yet I'm able to do the things that other people find really hard? And I had somebody suggest that I possibly get diagnosed for dyslexia. And I had been in a pretty serious motorcycle accident and I had a concussion. And so they sent me to an extra special specialist that did about a four hour long assessment to see if there was anything left over from my concussion. And what she came out with is like, wow, I can see how it slipped by everybody, but you fell very much in the realm of ADHD in certain areas. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so she just, right. she just blurted it out? It was no, just like, oh, it's ADHD? Me. She uh-huh. called me. I thought I was being assessed for possible brain damage or leftover concussion or maybe some dyslexia. And she called me about 10 days later and said, you know, you have ADHD. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I thought, well, what we all think, well, that's for boys and it's for hyper people. And I, you know, run the world and then spend three days in bed recovering. And that just couldn't be me. And she said, no, you know, it's definitely, that's definitely, there was kind of no question. It was pretty clear. Yeah. So that's when I got diagnosed and it was only about three months ago. Wow. So once you knew it was ADHD and you had the benefit of hindsight, what are some of the symptoms that you've always wondered about, but you now recognize them as clearly ADHD? I actually, it actually kind of makes me, it just kind of makes me cry because for so many years, I just was beating myself up. Just the mere idea of opening a piece of mail, reading it, following the directions, writing a check, putting a stamp on it, putting it back in the mailbox and having it pay a bill was just so far beyond my concept of sort of like steps. And it gave me so much stress. Just the idea of mail gave me so much stress that I would put it off and put it off and put it off until my car was towed, my electricity would get turned off. This was all before bill pay. I would have, you know, overflowing mailbox, just things that I, w- made me think like, I'm just an irresponsible adult. I'm just an irresponsible adult. And now I know that for me, thinking up a brand new business plan is about 50,000 times easier than emptying a mailbox from a bunch of different people and sorting out what's junk and what isn't, et cetera, et cetera. So just the organizational basic stuff of like text from companies I'm not interested in, organization, laundry, just kind of basic adulting has the always boring been stuff. Really, really tough. The boring stuff has always been really, really tough. And it's always given me a lot of pain. Being around disorganization has always made me feel incredibly distracted and incredibly just bothered. And so it's kind of like, I don't know how to organize it, but it also really bothers me. Wow. Yeah. 
Those so are true. the like kind of the hard parts of ADHD that I can remember, not being able to do homework, not remembering what people told me. What kind of student were you? Well, I was lucky enough to go to a private school for the arts when I was a younger kid, so it completely got not noticed. And it was only once I joined public school in middle school that I completely fell behind. I just found myself drifting off, not wanting to listen to the things that didn't interest me. Specifically, history and English, I found to be really, I just could not focus. I couldn't do the reading with the writing assignment. I couldn't even remember what it was by the time I got home, nor would I remember where the paper was that I was supposed to do as homework. I just couldn't, I couldn't keep it all together. So I was a terrible student. They sat me in the front of the room. They told me I had potatoes in my ears. They tried to talk to my mom. She didn't understand why I couldn't just do the basic work. I guess I just kind of thought I was like, a lazy, bad kid. You know, that's the story that we tell ourselves. We're lazy and we're bad. Did you think you weren't smart? I thought I was not smart. Yeah. I thought I was not smart until I was about, you know, maybe until I started my side business, maybe four or five years ago. I always had this sort of idea of like, well, I'm creative and I have good ideas, but I'm not smart enough to or it, it kind of went from like not smart to not not responsible. Mm. So not smart when you're a kid and then not responsible as you yeah. got older. That's yeah. so like interesting. Yeah. Responsible. Yeah. I like love that. Up. I mean, I don't love that. I don't yeah, love it that, awful. but it makes sense. Yeah. And it's so easy to not be diagnosed. I was with a really amazing therapist. I mean, it's like I was able, without going to school, I was able to completely provide for myself. I was totally able to pay to see a therapist twice a week who was at, you know, who was expensive. And I paid for my own. I, I never had help from my parents. They were, they didn't have money. So I completely made my own way. And I would see a therapist and I would just be in there talking about like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I organize my mail? Like, why can't I do my laundry like a normal person? Like, why can't I get it together? Why am I such a mess up? And when am I going to get better? That was kind of like the story. And I guess it was sort of explained to me that that's what trauma looks like. But I always felt like, why is it just the channels changing in my brain constantly? I just thought everybody's brain was like that. And your therapist never thought to suggest, could it also be ADHD? I know trauma looks very similar, the symptoms. No, never, never thought came to up. suggest it. Hmm. No, never thought to suggest it. And my next therapist, I mean, I saw that therapist for like 15 years. My next therapist said, you know, sometimes I wonder if you might be dyslexic or something. You should give yourself a break. And I was like, okay, I'm dyslexic. I just sort of took that on. And by then I had given myself the permission of having a personal assistant who opens my mail because somewhere along the line, I realized paying somebody $25 an hour, a few hours a week is much less expensive and much less stressful than having your car towed. Yeah. You know, the coping stuff we do, and ADHD is an expensive thing to have because the world is set up for neurotypical 
minds that can follow the neurotypical rules, right? Right. The term that they use is ADHD tax. We pay an extra ADHD tax. The ADHD tax, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what has changed since you were diagnosed? I know it's only been a short period of time. Well, I think for the first, I mean, it, it didn't just happen with the diagnosis. I I became pretty successful and well-known in the past in my business in the past five years. And with that sort of came this idea that I gave myself of like, well, maybe I'm a little bit of a creative genius and I'm just not good at the other stuff. And so somewhere along the line, I kind of gave myself a break and decided I'm really good at what I'm good at. And I'm not as good at what I'm not good at. And at that point, I'd also been really inspiring other people and becoming a teacher and an educator and flying all over the country. And because of that, I started feeling like, okay, it's okay that I'm not good at everything. But the diagnosis really confirmed that. Like, okay, so this is why. And I wouldn't wish to take away my ADHD because it means I can solve any problem. I can solve any problem that anyone brings me immediately. Like without even a blink of an eye, I can come up exactly what would be the thing for their business or their life or their house or their kids or whatever. I can just solve any problem. So I feel, so I wouldn't want to take that away and be given a neurotypical brain and need to follow in the direction of everyone else and go to college and get a job. And I know so many people who suffer in their jobs their entire lives and just feel like that was the only path they had. And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. I've never had a, I've never even had a resume. I've never had a boss. I couldn't even imagine. So I feel like grateful for my ADHD, for the creativity, for the constant inspiration. And I also feel sad that I didn't know about it sooner. So I could maybe explain it to my partners or maybe get some help earlier around managing it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you always felt different? Yes. <laughs> and did you like that feeling of feeling different or was it, I mean, I, I kind of get the sense that you have always been the kind of person to, you're not worried about standing out. You've never tried to fit in. Is that true? I've never tried to fit in, but I've felt really, really, really either less than or better than. I've never just felt like one of the team. And that has been really hard. I've either felt like everybody in this room is crazy. Can't they see what needs to happen? Or why does it take these people so long to like wake up to this obvious reality? Like I've, I've either been like, well, clearly you're not thinking straight. Like why aren't you thinking as quickly as me? Or I've felt like, wow, I'm so bad. And it's more been the, the less than for the most of my life. Like I never did this and I never did that. And I never went to the prom and I never went to college and I never graduated high school. And I, you know, spend so many days in bed and I'm socially awkward. So I don't get invited to things and I don't have a huge group of friends. And I'll kind of compare myself to neurotypical people who are able to function on a more temperate but consistent schedule. And I compare myself. I just love what you just said. (laughs) You know, you either feel less than or better than. You never feel like you're part of the team. Talk to me more about that because I can kind of relate. 
You're always like the one that's leading, right? And I'm so I'm always the one that's leading. Yeah. And then I'm also always the one who's screwing up because I didn't like fill out the form. And so there's this shame along with this like frustration of like, what's wrong with you people? Like, come on, especially my partners, especially my partners. I've been like consistently more successful or more, you know, if I'm not happy with my job, I change it like Mm -hmm. that minute. Mm-hmm. I don't waste one minute being unhappy with my job. And I can't relate to that. I can't relate to it. So when people are like, yeah, but there's no other option, I'm like, what? There's infinite options. And if you don't know about them, you make one up. I can't imagine that people can't see that. But on the other hand, they can't imagine why in the world I would not be able to do a simple thing like, you know, help my daughter through Zoom kindergarten. I, I don't know how you did that, honestly. I I, keep, I failed. It was awful. And I would fail too. All I keep saying through COVID is, thank God my kids are no longer kids. I don't even know how people did that. No, it was impossible. So when you say you've never felt like part of the team, do you feel that way socially as well or is it just business-wise? No, I feel that way socially as well. Why? Is it because you can't be part of the team? You can't just fit in? I can't make small, I don't, I'm not good at small talk. Okay. I'm not good at like, let's all sit at a dinner table and make small talk and ha 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 laugh and talk (laughs) small talk and talk about our summer plans that we all have organized six months in advance. And that is totally neurotypical thinking. And I don't look down on it, but I have bigger fish to fry I mean, that's the way I can like tell myself I'm okay. I just, I don't function like that. So is it the scheduling that's a problem too? Scheduling it's is not so hard. So once you're there, you, once I'm there, you, know, I'm you enjoy yourself. I do, but I'm tired. I'm tired from, okay. from all Is it the- hard for you to get there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's hard for me to get out the door. It's hard for me to get anywhere. Once I'm on my way, I feel really happy. Yes, I get it. Day at the beach is like, oh my god. Okay, pack snacks. Okay, pack. And just the energy it takes to organizing packing snacks is so much more than a normal person's brain. I and so, in your social relationships, are you always thinking? You know, you need to get together with that person. You need to follow up. You need to schedule. But it's every single day, it's this thought, you know, that kind of comes and goes, but then it just kind of drags on. And pretty soon it's been months and you haven't done that thing that you've been wanting to do. It does. It's really, it's really painful. I kind of like can really look at the, the, uh, if late at night, if I'm feeling anxious, I can look at the list of like lost opportunities for closeness. I don't have any lost opportunities for business, even though, of course, I could convince myself that I absolutely do. But it's like a machine that is super easy for me to do. I don't have any lost opportunities for connection in the moment. Like here I am talking to you. I can be completely open and present, but it's the getting there. I mean, if you could have known, I had to have my personal assistant come over this morning and set this thing up. I was like, wait, what? They want me to download a what? They want me to go to a what? And then they want me to what? Do they know I have ADHD? I can't use Chrome. 
It's like, of course I can, but in my head I'm reading it and I'm like, that's just, I just don't even, I can't. And but the beauty, it, right? the brilliance of what you're telling us though is you know what your gifts are. You know what your amazing creative strengths are. You know where you're brilliant, but you also know where you kind of suck. I and do. So and it's really is, black and white. It's not in between. But you've also built these structures that you know work for you that include help from other people in those areas to get you there. I have, but that's because I got lucky. And I feel like there's so many women out there, people out there with ADHD that don't know how brilliant and smart they are and don't have a a platform for their brains to do what they're meant to do and what they're born to do. I don't know if that's correct or not. Just they don't have a platform for their for their brilliance. And so they kind of don't even realize the amazing creativity on the side and they're trying to fit themselves in. Absolutely. I think that's so sad. I talk about this all the time. I believe from what I've seen after meeting thousands of ADHD women, they are all brilliant in something. The problem is they're trying to follow and they will never be able to follow and they are meant to lead. So the goal is to figure out where are you meant to lead? Right. Yeah, you're you're saying it again. Right. Confirming well, it again. I just got lucky. I just got I it was like the universe kind of just carried me in a very I mean a really lucky. I mean my both my parents have ADHD, I believe. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, I'm like, oh, they absolutely did. And they kind of showed me that, I mean, the car would run out of gas. They were always starting <laughs> new businesses. They were always just like, whatever, with that one, we'll start a new one. The mail was never opened. It was the same thing. And so I kind of thought I learned it from them, but and maybe I did, but I also learned, oh no, you just start something new. <laughs> you just you, you just do it yourself. Oh no, you don't follow. You don't follow in other people's footsteps. You just start your own. And because of that, I think many people with ADHD don't have that upbringing. And it was a mess. You know, it was a mess. It gave me no consistency, but it did give me inspiration to think. I mean, I started working as a hairstylist and within two years I was ready to open my own shop. I was like, well, obviously next is to open my own shop. And at that point, I don't even think I had a bank account. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to open my own shop. And I got a business partner that knows how to open mail. And so it was easy. (laughs) I just told her what we were going to do. And she just like liked liked my ideas. I was lucky enough that she liked my ideas and she's good at the, at the paperwork. Wow. Okay. So starting things, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Starting new things. I know that most salons closed down for, I think it was at least six months at the start of the pandemic. I know my guy is in San Francisco and I think I didn't see him for a full year. It was six, it was six months and then it was another two months. It was like, it was like eight or nine months total. Yeah. Yeah. So you decided that you were going to do something different. You were going to teach people who are stuck home in the pandemic, cannot go to their stylist, how to cut hair. Yes. And my question is, were you already considering expanding to online to teach people how to do this? Or was it oh, the no. pandemic that prompted no, no. this idea? No, I never thought of it in a million years. I had been traveling. So I own my two hair salons, but I also teach hairdressers a totally new way of cutting hair that I invented. 
So I had been traveling and really becoming really well known for this way of cutting hair that I created and more and more people around the country were wanting it. So I already had kind of like a lot of people around the country and around the world wishing they could come to us and get their hair cut from us. Mm-hmm. So there was that. Were you teaching these hair stylists online? No. Or did you go to shows? I was teaching in per- I was just teaching in okay. person. I was having my own shows. Okay. I was teaching in person on a stage like in a space we would rent and like 50 to 100 people would show up and buy tickets and fly to see me and learn my thing. So I was already doing really well as an educator. But the second the pandemic happened, the minute we closed down, I woke up that morning and I was like, we're not losing our jobs. We're just going to teach them how to do their own hair. We'll be the eyes and they'll be the hands. So I got all my stylists together and I popped on a Zoom meeting and I taught my salon manager. I walked her through cutting her own hair. I don't know how she trusted me, but she was not a hairstylist. And she was like, okay, I'll cut my own hair. I've never done it in my life. And she did it. And they all watched me how I taught her. And I made it up on, on the fly at that. That's the other thing is we can just make things up on the fly, right? So I was like, okay. And they all watched me. And then suddenly we just sent out an email blast like, hey, everybody, we're going to teach you how to do your own hair then. And we taught them how to look good on Zoom. And we taught them how to cut their own bangs. And we took one-on-one appointments. And we all just kind of worked like we did at the salon, except on Zoom. And Wait, then, so this list of this email list, I, uh, I was it an email list? Was Were these was your, your clients? It was our clients. It was our clients. Okay. Yeah. And then we also posted on Instagram that we were doing it. So we got people from all over because now you didn't need to be live in person. Mm -hmm. But then as I was taking these appointments one-on-one, teaching people how to cut their own hair, something clicked that basically what I was saying to people was more teaching them how to figure it out themselves than like saying, okay, a little to the left, a little to the right. I was more explaining the theory in a way that a light bulb would go off and they would get it. And I realized I'm saying the same thing to every single appointment I'm having. I could do a group class. So at that point, I did a group class and a thousand people logged on and cut their hair while I explained what to do. And I basically made enough money for a down payment for a house, my daughter and I, in that one class. I gave myself bangs and basically, that class was went viral. People were posting their selfies of their own hair that they had cut themselves, and they were so proud, and they felt so empowered that what was happening is people were like, you did that yourself? How did you learn? And the next thing I knew, it was like this flood of like selfies of proud women cutting their own hair, and then 10 other women that are their friends wanting to learn how to do it. And the videos are just selling, 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 selling. And then I did a second one. And now people all over the world are just cutting their own hair with this technique that I came up with. And so it's the whole thing is just a shock. But I'm also like, okay, well, that's what happened. (laughs) So there was no pandemic. There was no fear. No, there was no panic because it could have been. You know, the fear around, oh my God, you know, 
what's going to happen, what's going to happen to my business, you know, at the start of the pandemic. But it could also be the fear around, well, if I teach them how to cut their own hair, they're not going to come back so that I can cut for them, right? That you may be- No, of course they come back. They just put up in between. And not only that, but they respect what we do more now. And not only that, but there's lots of people in like farmlands in Wales that can't even get to a hairdresser anyway who are taking my class. And I never thought the bit, my biggest fear that was a flitting thought was what if 50 out of these thousand people that are signing up for this class to learn how to cut their own hair with me live, what if 50 of them mess up their hair (laughs) and I have to walk them all through one-on-one, like how to fix it. Oh my God. They look terrible and they're like, I did this terrible thing. And, you know, they post about it or something. And not one person, not one person messed up their hair. I don't know how. I'm just really good at describing what I do. What I do is a very small little niche, but I'm really good at describing what I do. And I'm terrible at like 50 billion other things, but. Teaching is the thing that I can do. I can just I can explain something through metaphors in a way that people get. You know, this is such an ADHD story. You know, the I beginning know. of a pandemic, oh you see an opening in the market that no one else sees, like how to teach people to cut their own hair and to do it well. And you jump on it right away. And then, you know, you're not only teaching people to cut their own hair, but it sounds like you also have a certain way and you're really into the, like the shag trend. And so then Mm -hmm. that goes viral and, you know, you get all this media attention. So you're not only creative as a stylist, but you're also very creative as an entrepreneur. You've got them both. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, when I started cutting shags, the only haircuts around were lobs. And so I got tons and tons of media attention and I got written up in magazines and it was like, oh, she's the shag queen. And that was fine. But it turns out Stevie Nicks cut her own hair. Oh, I didn't I, know that. He cut her own shag and everyone else can cut their own shag too. And Nobody wants to cut their own hair. They only need to in a pinch. And so it's an incredible thing to know how. And it's messy. It's not something you want to do. It's something that's an incredible thing to know how to do. I liken it to a chef writing a cookbook and giving some of the favorite recipes. You're not going to stop going to the restaurant. (laughs) But once in a while, you might try the recipe. (laughs) Probably you'll just keep the book on the shelf and like, no, you can go to it sometimes. Well, and it's so interesting that your observation is that your clients love you even more because you were willing to do this for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And appreciate hairdressers more and see how much more goes into it. And that, you know, not all tools and not all stylists have the same vibe and technique. And you can't just go to a good stylist and get, you know, anything just like you wouldn't go to an Italian restaurant and ask for sushi. It's everybody's kind of got specialties and it's best to stick with that. And if you want mine, you can also learn it from me and do it yourself. So I have a question for you. I'm looking at your Instagram feed. I want that pixie style, but is that a style you can only wear when you're really young? Actually, don't you have a pixie? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I'm 49. 
Well, you look great as usual, ADHD, you know, we age so much. <laughs> Do we? Slower. I did not know yeah. that. Why Every do we single ADHD like person I meet. in bed. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. I I can't stand being in bed, so I think you we're all different. Being in bed, that's so oh, funny. Well, I, I sleep. Well, I- yeah, that's probably it. And so I think that when we struggle to sleep, then yeah, <laughs> it, it makes sense. Versus, I can't get into bed. I have sleep problems, but my problem is getting into bed. Once I get into bed, then I'm out like a light. But the minute the sun comes up, I'm up. I, I don't need really? sleep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could like take on the world and then spend three days in bed. I I can't even, you know, like (laughs) for Mother's Day, you know, kids are like, oh, we want to make you breakfast in bed. I'm like, ew, no, I'm not doing it. No, I'm I'm at the table. No, can't even do that for them. Okay. So tell me about the pixie. Can you do a short pixie? I guess pixies are always short. Can you do I that? Think it totally. Well, pixies are short, but there's also like a four inch leeway either direction with a pixie. I think it depends on the shape of your face. I think there is a pixie, there's a bob, and there's a shag, and there's long hair for every face shape. It just depends on where the layers of the pixie hit. So if you need your cheekbones highlighted, then you want the little pieces that kind of might pop out or the face framing or the little sideburns of the pixie to really sit right where your cheek your cheekbones would be highlighted. If your eyes are your good feature or if you need them to be widened, then you'd want the pieces to be kind of coming out on the sides. If you have a little tiny face and you wear a pixie, you might want shorter bangs to open up your face. If you have like a larger nose or like a very strong jaw, you might want a little bit of longer bangs that sweep to the side to soften things. It totally depends on your face and the nuances of the pixie. It isn't just pixie or not pixie. Does that make sense? It's overwhelming. I think I just need to come to you and say, (laughs) can I wear a pixie? I, I just always loved that style. And when I was younger, I had it. It's just so easy, right? And the answer is yes. Of course you can wear a pixie. You just need the right pixie for your head shape and face. Okay. So pixies do not make you look older. No, but if you have the wrong pixie, it will. But the wrong long hair will make you look older too. Uh, well, I think that's the worst mistake most women make, right? They never change their hairstyle. And so decade after decade, it's the same style. It just looks terrible. Their, their yeah. hair's too long. Okay. So let's talk about some ADHD traits. Like what are the traits that you feel are responsible for your success? So the traits that you have, obviously. Responsible for my success is creative trigger thoughts. Like if I'm in a business class and they're talking about social media or something, I will (laughs) write like three pages of notes just on one little bullet point that might be a whole business plan. Like I will be triggered by something someone is saying and come up with a whole business plan around it right there in the moment. But of course, I didn't hear the next 10 things they said. (laughs) (laughs) So you hyper-focused on that one thing. Hyper-focused on certain trigger points. That has really been incredible for my success. Another thing that's really good for my success is I'm extremely descriptive in my language. So I have like 
a large, colorful vocabulary, and I'm able to communicate that through writing. So Instagram posts or emailers or any type of marketing, I'm really able to connect well in the moment. I can't plan those posts ahead of time. <laughs> so it's I love to hear this. Yeah, really? I cannot plan any of it ahead of time. Everything is in the moment. Nothing is planned. I am literally writing it as I'm about to post it. So I think a big key to my success is people always say, you're so authentic. Thank you so much for sharing authentically. And I think what that is, is like, I actually am sharing authentically in that there was no plan like, hmm, today I need to talk a little more about curly hair. Therefore, I'll come up with something. I literally just look at a photo and start writing and out it comes. And it might be a personal story about when I was a kid and it might be something to do with curly hair. It's usually a mix, but it's just kind of like the on the fly ability to be communicative and connect. You know, so two observations. Number one, you hated English in school. Yeah. (laughs) Yet it has become one of your biggest strengths. I think that's crazy. And number two, I had a woman, Camden, I can't remember what Camden's last name is, but I had her on the podcast talking about social media for ADHD brains. And what you just said is exactly what I told her. I can't plan to save my life when it comes to social media. I just, and it's why I hate it so much because I just have to do it in the moment. And because I have to do it in the moment, it stresses me out. And so I don't do it. But you're saying exactly how I feel and you're making me feel better about maybe that's just what I need to do. You know? Oh, yeah. You can love it. You can just be like, hey, community, like my next podcast is this and this is what's happening and I'm super excited. And I actually, P.S., I kind of like doing this, but it also makes me nervous. Huh. And they will love you 10 times more. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Anything you try to be overly professional. I think that's <laughs> another thing is like- totally. The more overly professional we are, the more we're hiding our like our ADHD thing, right? And our creativity and our connectiveness, at least in social media. I don't think social media should be overly professional. Of course, in a resume or on LinkedIn or something, sure. I don't know. I've never had a resume or been on LinkedIn, but sure, <laughs> there's a time and a place, but it's not necessarily when you're trying to connect to a community and build something. And I think the professionalism is linked with the perfectionism. Right. You know, that mm-hmm. we often struggle with. It's just not good enough. It's and, hard. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not perfect, and it's never going to be perfect, right? It's then we're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really hard. I agree. That's really hard. It's hard so, to try new things and be bad at them and like push past that. It's, it's hard. What do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Oh, my God. Well, (laughs) I'm not on medication because I haven't found one yet that works for me, but I'm guessing that might be part of it, but I cannot give that experience yet. I only have that experience from friends with ADHD that I didn't even know had ADHD. Um, I would say my most successful days are when I keep things very simple and in the moment. Like today I am meditating. I'm going for a walk. I'm doing a podcast and I'm doing this and I'm going to have lunch and that's it. I try to keep things 
really in the moment, including my work. I try not to future trip and I try not to shame myself for whatever was going on yesterday and just try to stay really present. So I think that there is that also just really paying attention if you're doing something or you're in something or you're trying something that is scary because it seems new, but it feels exciting and you've always been drawn to it. Or if you're doing something that feels scary because it seems new and you're really not interested in it and you're trying to pretend to force yourself that you're ever going to be good at it. It's kind of like, why? Like let people who are good at that stuff do that stuff. Absolutely. I was just working with one of my students um, and she used the term, she's a yoga instructor and she has this beautiful Instagram account. I mean, it, it's perfection, mm-hmm. but she's been struggling and she, she started talking about it and she said, well, when I'm acting and I'm like, what are you talking about acting? <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. And what we discovered is that's really not what she wants to do. So in order to get herself to do it, she has to put on this persona that's all polished and perfect, but it, it doesn't feed her soul. It doesn't generate positive emotion. It's actually creates anxiety and negative emotion for her. Right. Because her Instagram is super beautiful and it's mm-hmm. like color coordinated and there's yes. all these gorgeous pictures of her, but is it interesting? Yeah. Because I think the truth is, is that humans out there are lonely and they're wanting to connect and the success is in the authenticity. But I'm not totally positive. Oh, I think you're so right. But I know when I'm talking too much about hair and I haven't been like, hey, everybody, I uh, cut my blonde hair off and my hair's silver now and I haven't let you guys see it because I fucking hate it. Sorry. for <laughs> I, I hate it. And I feel old. And so now suddenly I feel inauthentic and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go on there and I'm going to admit it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the same when I got diagnosed with ADHD, I was like, am I going to go on Instagram and admit this? Yes. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. That's hard. It sounds hard to pivot once you've made everything perfect from the outside. Yeah. But the thing is, they then see you as an example of what's possible, which is why, gosh, right. I love, you know, when, when successful women, especially get out there and say, you know what? I have ADHD. Sure, there are some weaknesses, but look at these amazing strengths and look at what I've been able to do with them. It's just so empowering and inspiring. And I also think, pigging back off of your comment about authenticity, I think we attract our people, right? And so I suspect that a lot of people that are attracted to you are just like you and are probably ADHD. And one of the things that is so important to us is authenticity. And I think it's because of our interpersonal intuition. You know, we're the kind of people that we just, we can feel it. We can feel the energy. We walk into a room. We don't even know what's going on, but we can tell. Yeah. There's and so sensitivity. Wow. Yeah, and so they know when you're being authentic and when you're not being authentic. And that's what they're drawn to too. Makes sense. Yeah. Also, I think it's hard these days with social media, you have to start your, you kind of like, okay, I need an account. I'm going to make it special. I'm going to get advice on it. I'm going to make it beautiful. Each post is going to, and I did follow a little formula of like just some basic stuff about Instagram that I, that I saw in a little class I took that was free, a little free Instagram, how to Instagram class way back in the day. But beyond that, I feel like I got lucky because mine grew 
actually, I didn't mean to grow it. I, I just had, I just was doing it. And then the next thing you know, everyone wanted to shag kind of happened overnight. And so I think these days, if you're like starting and you're like, okay, this is part of what I need to grow, that would be hard to be authentic. So was Instagram just super easy for you from the very beginning? It just feels really natural. I mean, yes. And I think I was also like, I, I acted on stage when I was a child and I, you know, so for me getting in front of people was not scary, but more cathartic, cathartic and connective. And I think it was natural because I was going through a really serious breakup with my daughter's dad when she was really young and I needed community. So I think it was kind of an, it was kind of like an out for me not to sit and feel awful. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Final question. What is your number one ADHD workaround? Do you have one? Um, besides always having a personal assistant. That's a great one. <laughs> that is a fantastic one. And I subscribe to that as well. That and smoothies. <laughs> Wait, why smoothies? Because breakfast is too complicated and hard to put together. And so if you just scoop a couple powders into a blender, it's you get yourself fed. I do this for lunch. Costco has the frozen ones with the fruit and the kale and the, all that stuff Perfect. in. <laughs> because otherwise, like you, I, I don't eat breakfast. So you won't you know, eat. You won't. I it's won't too eat. Complicated. It's too. It's an extra yeah. step that's not going to happen. So, like getting the food down. Yep. <laughs> liquid wise, is it's like baby food. Right? Mm-hmm. Just throwing all this stuff in a in a blender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good one, actually. So, Jane, are you working on something that you want to tell us about? Right now, more than anything, is I have been so inspired by people cutting their own hair that I've created a second class for people who just feel like they want to lift the weight that's like the haircut is good, but it's weighing down and they want to just like lift it up. So I have those two classes and I am just in the midst of starting to film live Zoom classes for people at home and teaching them how to style their own hair based on their natural texture. So I will do one for curly. I will do one for super baby fine hair that always falls flat. I will teach how to get volume and it will be a less expensive class that you can join and then you keep it for a year and you can refer back to it and kind of learn how to do and celebrate your own hair rather than trying to put your hair into a mold of something that it isn't. Okay. So where can, it sounds fabulous, by the way, where can people find this? Where do they go? To my website which is janematthews.com, J-A-Y-N-E-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S.com, janematthews.com. And the best thing to do is just add yourself to my newsletter. And the second I have offerings, you'll be the first to know. Okay. What about your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is at jane, J-A-Y-N-E underscore Edo Salon. And Edo Salon is the name of the two salons I own, co-own. Wonderful. Yep. Jane, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. This was super fun. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me.
Absolutely. So if you like this episode with Jane, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And you know what? Your reviews really help in that regard. One more thing, if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio or a written message. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.